0: Welcome to Double Vision, a reality recap podcast with your hosts, Jules and Keen's. Let's get into it.
1: Hi, welcome to our first podcast episode. I'm Jules. And I'm Keens, And we are here to talk about... Summer House, Martha's, Martha's Vineyard. Vineyard. Whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa. Wait, we should probably put something in post.
1: Oh yeah, we'll be able to do sounds. <laughs> but I also like that sound you made.
0: <laughs> hot mic, hot mic. Alright.
1: Yeah. Um, a little about me. I'm an editor and I make crossword puzzles, and I'm a mom, and I also have a job. (laughs) So it's crazy that I'm starting a podcast,
0: but it's so fun. I couldn't resist. Right? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that we're on this endeavor together. So, a little bit about me I am an attorney by trade, but I will not be providing any legal advice. Uh, insert amazing blurb about how nothing I say should be attributed to my employer in any way. Um, I'm a dog mom and I am obsessed with reality TV. So it's perfect.
1: Yeah, and we've been friends for like less than six months. Yep. We met on Bumble BFF and are like basically having the best possible outcome that you can have. Just like meeting a new friend and then starting a podcast with them is the dream.
0: Right. Seamless transition from hi, my name is to let's go into business together. (laughs)
1: Yes. A lucrative business. Recapping Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. Mm -hmm.
0: So should we jump right in?
1: Yeah, um, no, in case anyone's not familiar with the format, Summer House, the, the original show um, was that people would go home to New York for the weekdays and then come to the Hamptons for the weekends. Um, Summer House Martha's Vineyard is, um, they're actually just in the house for 15 days. We get little markers day one of 15, day two of 15. Um, everybody is getting filmed all the time. And I have questions about whether they know they're getting filmed in some situations. (laughs) And this is
0: an all black cast, which is like very cool for Bravo. Yeah, definitely. I had never actually seen the original summer house. So this was a completely new experience for me. I didn't know what the original format is, um, but I loved the teaser for the first episode and for moving into it because literally it gave luxury and opulence like you wouldn't believe. And I, I was obsessed.
1: Yeah. And I will say compared to the original cast, we have a group in Martha's Vineyard who are much more self-possessed, much more mature, much more aware of their actions and how they are portraying themselves. And that doesn't make it boring by any stretch. In fact, I think it makes it a lot more interesting because we're not just watching them be messes, we're watching them live and really have an experience together.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. So should we get we should we start? Let's jump right in.
1: Yeah. So one thing that we hear is that if you're melanated, Martha's Vineyard is the place to vacation for the summer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's
1: um, the intro. Right. I
0: will say that I really enjoyed the fact that they went into the history of Oak Bluffs. Um which is where Martha's Vineyard is set, Um, and it's a sort of historically black area. Um, There was a lot of description of what it means to be able to vacation there, to have a place that you can call your own. Um, They make reference at some point throughout the episode, no spoilers, but kind of spoilers, um, to The Inkwell, which was a movie with Lorenz Tate, and I don't know who else was in that movie, but...
1: Yeah, and that's, like, the beach that was the all-black beach at Martha's Vineyard. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. I also love how the cast is super aware of the history of Martha's Vineyard, and they, like, seem really interested. Like, that's sort of a part of the appeal for them, because they're so smart.
0: They are. And so the first people that we meet are Jasmine and Silas. Yes, Jasmine and
1: Silas got married in June 22, which is three months before this started filming. Mm -hmm. Later, we find out they got engaged six months after they met. And then we also find out that after they were engaged, Silas was gone for six months in the Army Reserves. So this has been a whirlwind, honestly. Yeah, to say
0: the least, it was... I mean, we'll get into it, Yeah, (laughs) but initially I think that Jasmine and Silas looked super cute together. Yeah.
1: They have like cute newlywed energy. Jasmine is clearly really into being a married woman. Like she likes to call them the Coopers. They're one person now. She's like standing up for her man. Um, And this, as you might expect, grates on some of the other people in the summer house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next we meet. Preston who's an attorney um Preston is so cute he's just this sweet gay man um and honestly like such a teddy bear and I love him
0: same I literally wrote down adorable as soon as he came up onto the screen because it was so sweet and then the way that the editors put in super secret handshake was absolutely hilarious to me Um, because you find out that Preston and Silas are both uh, members of the historically black fraternity Alpha Phi Alpha Incorporated. Um, And they are the alphas, which we get into it a little bit throughout the episode as well. Their main claim to fame is that they are the first black fraternity and they never let anybody forget it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: And um, next up, We have Bria, a fashion entrepreneur. (laughs) Now, Bria is a sorceress. (laughs) I just think that's an important, it's an important lens to view her through. She has magical powers and it's like Bria's world that she's created our reality and we're just living in it. Gosh.
0: When she walked in, her coat was everything. There are a few things that will make me feel like I'm fashion forward, but seeing a beautiful coat, I go crazy for and it was oh my god, I want that coat so bad. It had little
1: like money signs,
0: yeah, on it. but it was like um camo and then it had just like very to me like Project Runway would probably call it urban graffiti Mm -hmm. on it. Oh my gosh, it was so, so hot.
1: Yeah, and she also has a living accessory,
0: her dog, Milo. (laughs) Which we discover is her emotional support animal, her ESA. Um, Jasmine's reaction to Milo was straight up shady, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Like in every single way. But I also on some level kind of understand where she's coming from because... Bria didn't give her any sort of heads up. She literally just showed up with her dog and then Jasmine goes, oh, so what's going on with this? And she's like, it's my emotional support animal for depression and anxiety. And then she says, oh, yeah, okay. Great. Yeah. Sure. And Bria
1: gets her way. Magic. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, go ahead. Oh, Bria and Jasmine met working at playboy club they were both bunnies and that's actually how two other girls in the house know
0: everybody too yeah and i felt like from the very beginning they're setting it up for bria and jasmine to be frenemies but at the same time preston in his description of bria was so spot on he says literally she reminds me of someone who literally spent two hours prepping for miss usa and didn't quite make it yeah
1: (laughs) yeah Bria doesn't strike me as someone who has to prepare that much for
0: anything. Oh she just God. kind of breezes on through. Breezy Bria. Right. The, I, I gotta just give props to your description of her as a sorceress. It's so perfect. I wish I'd come up with that. I'll be honest. Thank you. <laughs> um,
1: Bria's also with a German man named Simon. She lives in Germany with him. She met him in Cannes. Um, I do believe that she may have conjured him <laughs> in the black forest of Germany because he doesn't feel like 100% human when we meet him. <laughs> he's like 90% there, but he's also very supportive. Very much so. Next, we meet Jordan, mm.
0: a model DJ
1: and a Playboy bunny.
0: Right. She Who was only the fourth black playmate of the year and the last playmate of the year she shut it down right literally crazy hot she's so beautiful yeah like stunningly gorgeous
1: yeah but I like that I like her vibe a lot like she is beautiful but that doesn't feel like what she's leading with she's like really like well-spoken she's got She's, like, very self-possessed. Like, she's not trying to just get attention for her looks. No,
0: absolutely. And that's something that I think is really endearing. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's part of probably why she continues. I mean, I I suspect that she will have, like, a huge following post-show, like, without a doubt. Yeah.
1: Also, because if you follow her, you still get, like, pics of her in lingerie.
0: Well, one of us is social media savvy, and the other one is me. <laughs> Wait,
1: I'm only judging by the Instagram photos they showed on the show, so um, I could be wrong. Could be sure. wrong. Maybe I should do some research.
0: <laughs> well, we are podcasters now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Nick and Alex mm. enter. It's funny that they enter together, because I do find them both having like the same level of involvement in the show. They're a little bit side characters.
0: A little bit, yes. But I love the fact that they're introduced. I've already forgotten what they do for a living, but I know that they're both Kappas.
1: Okay, Nick is a sports brand manager and stylist. Mm -hmm. Alex is an advertising creative director. And fine as hell.
0: You like Alex? Oh my gosh. Who doesn't (laughs) like Alex, okay? He's so handsome. He's tall and handsome, beautiful teeth. And great skin. And he's tall. <laughs> he's a beautiful voice. Yeah. As we find out later. And he's tall. <laughs> Did <I> mention- <laughs> Nick is kind
1: of, like, I like Nick's style. He's really into his clothes, and I I respect that he, like, puts a lot of effort into his appearance.
0: Right. He mentions bringing enough outfits to never repeat for the entire time that he's there, and approximately, what was it, two or three for every single day? Right.
1: Incredible. Amazing. This is more outfits than I own, for sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Much less that I would bring on a trip. <laughs> oh my goodness. An extensive, not expensive, extensive wardrobe. Now, Alex Sorry. says
1: he knows Jasmine from being a black creative in Brooklyn. I have questions about that. Like, how do you meet someone who's just a fellow creative? Jasmine, by the way, her descriptor is screenwriter. Mm-hmm. So I the only thing I can think of is that they both go to coffee shops sometimes to work. <laughs> He's an advertising creative director. Like, how do they meet?
0: See, you're asking the right questions that I didn't even think about. But yeah, that is a little bit confusing. I don't know how they connect. Yeah, maybe some casting and
1: a loose connection. Now, next we get Amir, who I think Amir is the cutest.
0: (laughs) Oh, you like Amir? Yes,
1: Amir is black and Lebanese. He's beautiful eyes, and long eyelashes. He's so cute. He's a real estate agent, which I found a little incongruous.
0: Yeah, it was a little odd to me, but I also, I mean, you've, I don't know if you've heard that the idea that attractive people end up going into real estate or pharmaceutical sales. Right. Because people love to, like, buy things from very attractive people. That must be epic.
1: He's like in his 20s, right? It just seems kind of young to be like, okay, I've got my real estate license. I'm really doing this.
0: Yeah. I guess I sort of assumed that he was in more of like his late 20s. But I think you're right. I think he's in his earlier 20s, like 24, 25, right? I don't know. Okay,
1: we should probably look up the ages. We Maybe should. for the next episode, we'll give a little ages update. Yeah,
0: we should. But listen, it wasn't in the introduction. It wasn't in the descriptors of them when they got
1: introduced so <laughs> yeah and fine. honestly I'll be damned if for this whole season he's ever even going to mention real estate which you know oh. he may have expertise in so another question mark there about yeah. the jobs
0: right I will say that he was immediately lovable like everything yes. about his entire energy was just so sweet and so genuine and so just so cute yeah he, he really was really cute total cutie vibe
1: next we get Mariah a nurse slash screenwriter confounding Um, Mariah and Jasmine have been friends since college and I gotta say Mariah has like chaotic energy
0: yeah in an odd way though right? so she's a mom um, and she's also a nurse and a screenwriter so she has multiple jobs and she's a single mother but she also has this entire approach to the social aspect that is sort of a little bit more in your face than I think you would expect from someone who has a lot of like responsibilities and seems to otherwise be very grounded.
1: Yeah, but I also get, I think she comes off as a bit aggressive, but I see her as also being very sensitive. Mm. I think she, we see her kind of struggle to relate to all the different people. Basically, she and Jasmine are really close. Mm -hmm. We find out later that they were homeless together in new york and lived out of a car for 5 months together yeah which is like obviously a crazy bonding experience but also so rough and like it's 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 wild to think that they like got out of that i mean amazing but also that they went through that together for like a good chunk of time
0: yeah i honestly couldn't imagine being homeless or living out of a car much less doing it with somebody else Um, so that's, I think that that's probably a testament to both of them and their personalities and how close that they probably are. Yeah. Should we take a break? Sure. Okay. Be right back. So everybody's in the house, um, but the introductions between each of the folks that don't know each other is really kind of endearing. So Jordan and Amir meet in a way that I would describe as hilariously accurate. So Amir does the thing where he goes to shake her hand and then he cups his other hand on her hand which is such a guy move to me. I don't know if that's ever happened to you where you've met somebody and they're like, Oh, hi, I'm Amir. I
1: think I was oblivious to this being a move.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the way when Amir does it, Jordan immediately throws her head back and like laughs. And I'm like, this is the most accurate depiction of what it's like to deal with this kind of move. I've been that girl. I have done that thing in response like I get it it's really it's really cute it's really sweet but it's also like okay buddy calm down calm down
1: yeah he definitely is like clearly cute he's used to girls liking him but he's plays up being nice and sweet so he you know he's like a little bit unassuming about things like at one point he's with the guys before dinner playing pool He tries to call dibs on her. (laughs) It's like, oh, or like, who are we all pursuing? Well, like, I want to have dibs on Jordan. And everyone's like,
0: what? Like, it was so weird. Right?
1: Yeah. I liked that the guys were like, this is weird. Something I love about this show is that the guys aren't just blindly following whatever, like, toxic masculinity is set before them and being like, oh, yeah, totally, dude. They're like, wait, what? That's odd of you. What did you say? And I really love that. I feel like these men are feminist allies (laughs) to to an extent.
0: allies completely, but I understand where you're coming from. And I would say that I agree that they don't just simply passively accept the things that guys do that are probably a little bit problematic. At the same time, the... In the confessionals, right, so we have both Nick and Alex get asked, like, oh, do you think Amir has a chance with Jordan? And they both laughingly respond in their own way, suggesting that he has no chance, probably because, as we've mentioned, Jordan is drop-dead gorgeous. But then Nick goes on to say this thing where he says, when I'm pursuing a woman, she'll know she's being pursued.
1: (laughs) Right. Like, he's very (laughs) sly, only to find out that Nick has already slid into her DMs on Instagram, where we know she posts, like, sexy pics, and she had to put him on Restrict because she was sick of all the fire emojis. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is Restrict blocking is that the same
0: thing no so when somebody's on restrict it means that they can only see certain things that you post as opposed to not being able to see any of it and then also depending on the level of restriction sometimes they can't comment on things um or they can't react to your stories or dm you but they can still see your content i wonder if
1: nick knows he's on restrict it seems possible that he does not know
0: I would guess that he does not know because it doesn't seem, I know we've known these people for approximately seven minutes, but it doesn't seem to me that if Nick knew that he was on restrict, that he would continue with this perspective that he's like in there. Right. But
1: he's also just like, Oh, when I put the moves on Jordan, she will
0: know. (laughs) Right. The best part about that entire sort of montage is when Jordan calls him whack. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that is whack. <laughs> um,
1: Amir's talking a bit about himself and um, he says that he gets 50 to 100 DMs a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously he knows he's cute, but then he also, someone asked him if he speaks Arabic and he says like, yes, I speak Arabic in Arabic. I think that's what he said. Yes. And then he says, no one's ever been turned on by the fact that he speaks Arabic. I'm like, what? That's such a lie. Like, obviously, when girls find out, you speak a different language. That's, like, such a (laughs) panty-dropper.
0: You would think, but I also have to remember that he lives in Texas, where maybe speaking Arabic isn't as exciting as if you're living, like, on the coast or in, like, a different country, right? It's not Spanish. It's not French. Like... I don't
1: know. Oh, that is so, that would be very annoying to me to think (laughs) that like some languages are impressive and some are not because as someone who only speaks English, I'm deeply impressed by everyone who's bilingual and whatever they're bilingual at.
0: Um, and also just like when a guy talks to you in another language, like that's hot, right? No, a hundred percent true. I will say that I do not speak French really, but I speak French the way that I would describe it is I speak French well enough for somebody who does not speak French to think that I am fluent and well enough for somebody who does speak French to say, wow, your accent is really good but they can probably immediately recognize my limited vocabulary. (laughs) That's
1: still extremely impressive to me.
0: I will take that compliment and I will reserve any and all other statements about my language (laughs) (laughs) competency. (laughs) I speak French in that
1: um, there's a French verse in Blondie's Sunday Girl and I know (laughs) it phonetically. (laughs) And that's my karaoke trick. Okay, <laughs> very
0: nice, very nice. I'm gonna to have to listen to that at some point because I have no idea. What yeah, tell me about. what it says. I have no I, idea. <laughs> I will listen to it and I will definitely tell you what it is. Um, so next, uh, we have uh, Mariah. So at the or I wrote I wrote down and something that made me laugh so hard was when she calls out Jasmine. Jasmine, I think, is at dinner talking about how exciting it is to come to Martha's Vineyard, how she does it every year, and how amazing it is, and Black excellence. And then Mariah, in her confessional, confirms that they've only ever been to Martha's Vineyard one other time. Um, And that maybe Jasmine has been there two other times
1: yeah like i don't think she was homeless living out of her car but also going to martha's vineyard every year right
0: i'm like so what exactly i mean i feel like this is the first glimpse that we get into jasmine maybe putting forward a type of persona that she wants us to believe she is and mariah coming in and fully deconstructing like no no you're lying that's not your life and that's okay
1: yeah, I also thought it was super interesting when Preston, like, questioned the term Black excellence. Like, for me, as a white lady, if somebody's, like, Black excellence, I'm like, yeah, great, you go. Like, I want to support what that completely. But then he was talking about how that's, like, kind of can be a white ideal.
0: Yeah, I I similarly reacted with, like, a meh to his critique. I mean, I still like him a lot, but I think that sometimes... I should mention as a Black woman. (laughs) But as a Black woman, I think that there is a really interesting line between sort of celebrating what it means to exist as a Black human being and putting additional input and emphasis on your proximity to a white ideal. And I have never received the term black excellence as the latter, right? I think black excellence has almost in every situation I've been in, it's really reflected a recognition of you existing and navigating the world in a way that maybe people didn't anticipate that you might be able to and that means surviving that means laughing that means finding joy but that also means finding success and finding happiness and being being able to enjoy luxury like I don't think that there's anything wrong with it personally
1: hell yeah I mean I want to I don't feel like I I can't come in and criticize any of it it's just sort of like live your best life like do what (laughs) do what you feel um I just thought it was sort of interesting for me as someone who's just looked at this like unquestioningly to be like, oh, there's like a different perspective on this. And like mm-hmm. Preston's really bringing up a dialogue. And I love that.
0: I do too. Yeah. And I, I think that especially in the realm of reality TV, those types of perspectives are necessary. Right. Um, Jumping right in, the next thing that happens is they play truth or dare in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now we're in the hot tub. They know exactly what to do. Right.
0: Um,
1: so let's see. The first dare is that Alex gets dared to kiss someone he's attracted to. And he kisses Jordan on the
0: cheek. Mm-hmm. I think that was the second air. Oh no, what was the first air? The first air was Amir got asked to kiss somebody that he thinks is attractive and then he kisses Jordan on the hand. Oh, okay. So I switched those around. Yes. yes.
1: Basically both of these men are like, I think Jordan's attractive. It's like everyone does,
0: so not not an interesting perspective, right? Which Jordan <laughs> in her amazing perspective, literally says, of course, I'm cute. Like, why wouldn't you say literally anything else? Like, I dare you to get to know me or something like that.
1: Yeah, which I appreciate and I understand her frustration, but also that's not a realistic dare. No one's (laughs) going to be, like, daring anybody to get to know you, Jordan.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, and so then the next dare is Mariah gets dared to give Nick a lap dance. Yeah,
1: and he gets all comfortable on the chase lounge. He's so ready. And she just kind of
0: comes up and stands in front of him and like jiggles a little bit, (laughs) which I think was the right way to play it. Right. I will say that I kind of expected her to do a little bit more. So I was very surprised by that, but I also thought it was really, really funny.
1: Yeah, I kind of thought she was going to be more outgoing, but I think there's like a shy, sensitive person in there who's maybe not quite ready to come out of her shell.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, she seems very comfortable with Jasmine, but she knows Jasmine very well. Um, whereas with the other house guests it seems like those are relationships that she's still trying to forge. And I can understand being a little bit more guarded or more hesitant when you're getting into those types of social situations. Yeah.
1: Now, Alex gets dared to sing a song, mm-hmm. and he sings a beautiful little, like, melody. Apparently, his cousin is John Legend. <laughs> he sings something about, like, getting to know you, girl, or whatever. And Mariah fans her bikini area when he's done. She's <laughs> so like, okay, there's my, like, shy violet. What's happening? Right?
0: Complete. <laughs> I mean, listen, when you have a panty-dropping voice... I feel like there's an expectation that the panties get dropped, especially in the hot tub.
1: Yeah, it's a hot tub. I mean, anything goes. Right. But now, unfortunately, there's a frog in the hot tub. (laughs) But he has to run out of the hot tub. And that ends the game of truth or dare. Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah. Uh, So we wake up the next morning.
1: Oh, but first, the night before, we see them go to bed, and Jasmine and Silas are, like, fully doing it oh on my the gosh. camera in the night vision.
0: I think I literally blocked that out of yes. my memory. They had to
1: blur things.
0: Yeah, when oh. he was like, can I get a quickie or something like oh. that?
1: Just... They're, under, they're kind of getting under a blanket, but you still see stuff, and you hear noises, and I don't know if they know there's a camera in the room. Oh. They are under a blanket, but, like, maybe Silas is always doing that under a blanket,
0: you know? I'm gonna try not to think about that. <laughs> but on the list of things that are awkward related to Silas, can we discuss just very briefly his typing skills? They are the most distracting. Have you did you not notice this no, at home?
1: Oh, I have to watch oh, him type. Oh my gosh.
0: So if you can imagine somebody like moving his pinky fingers and his thumbs to type things, I, I don't know why he didn't place like didn't I thought we all learned how to type using asdf as our home key in order to like touch type but he clearly doesn't and i immediately was like this is terrible this is disgusting like where, where like where did you learn how to type and then shortly thereafter we learned that he was born in Liberia that's
1: right yeah so on day two with the first thing he sees is that Silas is working and he sets up two laptops he's a financial analyst I guess you need a lot of computers like don't know a thing about it but yeah he's just smashing those keys on
0: his different keyboards in the most like I was so distracted I'm still very upset by by what I saw. Like, financial analysts don't know how to type. Like, I don't understand. I don't know. Maybe they're just numbers, guys. Yeah.
1: I don't know. know. But yeah, super interesting. He he was brought up in Liberia. Mm -hmm. Like, he's from an immigrant family. I think sometimes we run into, like, cultural differences with Silas, and it's like maybe that's some of where it comes from.
0: Yeah. I think that there are interesting dynamics that can be rooted in, like, culture, but also things that might be just reinforced based on weird beliefs that didn't get checked at any point. Mm-hmm. Right. I know there's that um, interesting perspective that women like raise their daughters and then coddle their sons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which makes you, when you look at Silas and some of his future things, it's like,
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Interesting. Um, so Jasmine and Mariah, are going to write. They're going to use the morning to write their screenplays for a show that they made called rock bottom. And it's about them like being
0: homeless. It's like a comedy. And I think it stars them. Yeah. We get to see a little clip from their um, show. It looks like it might've been like a web based show, but I couldn't tell for sure. It did not seem like it was on a network. I'll say that much for the pilot. <laughs> Right. Which, hey, however you're going to hustle, however you're going to get your things going, get them going. But yeah, it did seem a little low budget, weird lighting. But I do think that, yes, they apparently wrote, produced and starred in their own show, which you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that's not
1: easy. That's a lot of work.
0: Right. And that's also how people like Issa Rae and Quinta Brunson got their start. So, yeah, not going to hate the game. Or yeah. a player, I
1: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they go into the little solarium to work on their screenplay, but the couch is covered in dog hair. Sure do! <laughs> <laughs> and this is like, basically, Jasmine makes it seems like they cannot work. There's so much dog hair on the couch they couldn't possibly get started on working on their screenplay until us
0: figure it out. So they're getting tape, and they're trying to get the hair off. And they're disgusted. You get the sense that Mariah is not a dog person at all, and that Jasmine is just a bit of a control freak and has decided that this is the hill she's going to die on.
1: Yeah. So Bria's out, like, holding her dog by the pool, chatting with everybody. (laughs) Jasmine sticks her head out of the door, says, Milo is shedding kind of everywhere. (laughs) And Bria says, I don't know what to do about it. Can't do anything about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Listen, after this, there is a moment where they both go into the salon to have a talk, right? Jasmine pulls Bria aside And I'm gonna be completely honest with you, I don't know or have a very clear recollection of what was going on, but I know that I was on Bria's side from the very beginning. As a dog mom and as somebody that recognizes that she wasn't doing anything wrong, Jasmine was saying things as best as I can remember about how everybody was so upset about the dog, how it was Mm -hmm. ruining their entire... She says, Alex can't even properly do his
1: yoga because of the dog shit. Apparently on the outdoor, like the lawn.
0: Right. And can we just pause really quickly? Because part of his yoga, or excuse me, Alex's quote unquote yoga (laughs) practice is him doing thirst traps for social media. Oh, yeah. Right. Which, listen, I love a good thirst trap on display. But
1: let's be real. And it's like there's a big flat lawn and he's got his little yoga mat and like one tiny part of the lawn. He did not seem to turn at all. Right. Um, <laughs> it was <this long> <laughs> um, And then Bria's like, show me the shit. Because footage <laughs> proves that Bria was actually out there two hours <laughs> earlier picking up all of the dog poop from Milo. Right. Um, Jasmine says... I need to set some boundaries. And Bria says, there's not going to be boundaries. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Listen, in Bria's defense though, right? Jasmine, when she original, when Bria originally told Jasmine about the dog, pretended to be perfectly fine with it. True. And then when she's retelling the story to her friend Mariah, she's leaving out all of the details. She's like, no, she just showed up. She didn't give me any heads up. I have no idea what this dog is. When we know that she knows it's Bria's emotional support animal. It's not as if it's her pet. It's not as if Bria's dog can just be taken someplace else. He goes where she goes. Like that's what an emotional support animal is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I do feel that Bria could have said, by the way, I'll be bringing my emotional support animal. And I think that Jasmine would have seen that as a way of Bria acknowledging Jasmine as the host and therefore like sort of an authority figure in the house. But Bria does not recognize her authority.
0: At all. (laughs) And then what I love the most about the entire interaction is there is this sort of back understory where... Jasmine keeps mentioning how Shanice is the one that told me that I should invite Bria. Shanice is the one that said that she would be fun. As if they're not actually friends, but... Right,
1: and Shanice isn't there yet, and I think that is also straining
0: things. Shanice is not coming until the weekend. Right, because of her job or something like that. <laughs> um, but Shanice does seem to be sort of the glue that's holding everybody together, but it also seems to me anyways that Jasmine wants to be the glue that holds everybody together.
1: Yeah, it's and this kind of goes into her vision of them as the married couple. Like, they're the center. They're, like, the leaders. I think she kind of wants them to be, like, the mom and dad in a Mm, yeah i think that that's true and bria's like you're not my mom (laughs) (laughs) so bria then starts calling going around the house to see if anyone has a problem with her dog and she's like do you not like my dog because jasmine said people don't like my dog and everyone's like no we love your dog
0: because who's not gonna love that adorable dog milo is so cute
1: yeah, he's very cute, and everybody's even if they're they are annoyed, they're definitely not going to be saying this to Bria when she's like coming right up to them. <laughs> um, Bria then calls Simon to tell him about the dog drama. And she says, "Simon keeps me grounded." She's so lucky to have him.
0: Yes, clearly, like Simon worships her. You can tell completely and it's i feel like every girl needs a guy that loves her so much that he allows her to be as crazy as she needs to be to process things right
1: yeah she's because this is a girl who's not there to like apologize or second guess herself she's living and you've like you're basically on board or you're not on board simon's on board yeah let's take a break yes Everyone's hanging out at the house and Alex and uh oh sorry Alex and Amir are tossing a football and then Jordan comes to join them so they're just like standing there tossing a football to each other. Have you ever done this with your friends?
0: I have literally never just <laughs> randomly tossed a football. I will say that there is a basketball in my house because my late partner loved to hey, we might need it. So it stayed in my trunk for Five years. <laughs>
1: okay, like you might need it, but it's still hard to imagine just you would use it just to stand there and throw it to each other right? like 10 feet apart. I guess this is like a sports thing that I don't understand.
0: Maybe I will say for whatever it's worth that when I, my dad taught me how to throw football when I was younger. And I remember that once I learned how to throw football, I was very invested in making sure other people knew that I knew how okay. to throw football. Did I carry a football around? No. (laughs) Have I ever randomly played catch in a field with a friend? Again, no. But if there was a football around, I'm like, oh, I can throw a football. They're like, oh, really? Show me. And then I would. And they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, yeah. This is like such
1: a great fantasy. Yeah. When someone challenges you to throw a football. Right. Right.
0: I was like, oh, I'm really rusty, and then I do, like, a perfect spiral across the field. Yeah, maybe the
1: guys are just trying to show Jordan that they can throw footballs, and she's like, okay.
0: Okay, but also, can we discuss the fact that Amir was throwing it, like, a rugby football? Yeah, they're not,
1: like, doing correct, like, quarterback throws.
0: Yeah, no. I was like, I don't think either of them actually know how to throw a football. But maybe Jordan doesn't know what she doesn't know. I don't know. (laughs) They do this
1: with a lot of confidence. Yes. Say that. A lot. And so while they're chatting, Jordan reveals that, oh, they kind of ask, like, are you dating anyone? What's going on? And she reveals that she's been celibate for a year because she's like sorting out so much about whether guys are just into her for her looks or with their fans or they really like her. So she felt like taking sex out of the equation was the way to go. Mm -hmm. And Alex thinks it's beautiful.
0: Yes. Amir is like, what? (laughs) So like, when you say like celibacy, like, like, some no sex? Like, I was like, oh God. The different reactions really were hilarious to me. Have you ever been celibate? Like, have you taken a vow of celibacy? No, not voluntarily. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have, and I will say that it is one of the funniest things when you like ultimately disclose it to somebody because it is a combination of those two reactions it's either fake support or real support right oftentimes the fake support is oh yeah no that's cool that's fine yeah no yeah that yeah and i'm like okay it's not actually cool but that's fine <laughs> and then the real support tends to be uh, oh yes as if it's like this like deeply spiritual thing and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not but it I felt like it was that's the thing that I enjoy the most about this series is that the real-time reactions are so accurate I'm like I feel like I'm actually there because yeah. I've been that girl and I've had those conversations and I've seen those exact reactions and it's hilarious
1: yeah and I have to say like if I was to but to put money on it, I would say Alex is being sincere. I think he's, like, kind of a viber. And, like, what whatever you give him, he's going to vibe on it.
0: Oh, yeah. He's so spiritual and perfect. <laughs> totally. Right? So uh, deep. And tall. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: inside, Bria is, like, hooked up to a weird physical therapy, therapy machine that Nick brought. That right. That, like, zips her up into, like, a little, like, zips her legs into a thing and then... Pulses, I don't totally get it, but he says this is gonna improve her leg circulation. She's like, all
0: right. yeah
1: So she's laying on the couch where the couch is sort of arranged where like the back of the couch faces the kitchen and dining room. And then Jasmine comes in to talk to Preston about Bria, like not knowing that she's there. <laughs>
0: And so there's literally this hilarious moment where Jasmine is talking to Preston about how Bria has done all these things and how she was so difficult this morning and Preston is like looking at Jasmine and then looking at Bria and being like, um, and it's almost like Preston is about to say something, but then Bria goes, I can hear you. And then Jasmine immediately turns and says,
1: Oh, hey, I didn't realize you were there. Jasmine becomes so friendly in this moment. She's like, Hey girl, like, Oh, what are you hooked up to? I got next. (laughs) I want to do that weird zip up thing
0: too. Right. Oh my gosh. And then there's like this, I don't want to say that. I wouldn't say that it, Fully gets to the term awkward to describe it. But this kind of odd interaction where Jasmine like goes over to Bria and it's like, yeah, I really wanted to talk to you. It's like, no girl, you wanted to talk behind her back. And you did it both metaphorically and physically. (laughs) And now you're trying to backtrack. But I felt like Bria was just sort of receptive because I think that she probably recognized in that moment that it is just a lot easier to handle what's going on rather than deal with, you know, continuing this weird drama for the, with the host.
1: Yeah. So Bria apologizes for being rude. But she also doesn't think Jasmine was actually being genuine and apologizing. But meanwhile, look what's happened. Mm. Jasmine has apologized to her and Bria doesn't have to change anything about the dog. (laughs) Sorcerer. Like Bria said there would be no boundaries and she was right. There will be no boundaries.
0: Right? I don't know. And then I feel like what is most intriguing about this entire situation for me the conversation is rooted in bria literally coming with receipts like well i feel like you weren't respectful of my relationship like you made these jokes and you said these things when this is like the person that i want to
1: be with right because all along jasmine has been saying like hey girl like there's all these cute guys in the house like you're single which is rude
0: yeah And Jasmine immediately, oh, yes, if anybody said that about me and my husband. It's almost like she knew exactly how to frame up the conversation so that she was the victim and Jasmine was like in the, oh, yeah, you're right. That was horrible of me. I can't believe I did that to you situation. Yeah. She knew
1: how to kind of bring in those side issues. She she chose her time wisely. And now she continues to have the dog and... (laughs) Has made no agreements whatsoever to like clean up the fur or like whatever, whatever she she would be asked to do. She's not doing it. Literally not one thing. So now it's time for everyone to get dressed in white and go out to dinner for Mm. the white dinner. Yes. The little white dinner party. Now, as soon as they sit down, Amir asks Jordan if she's cold. She says yes. And he like pops out of his seat and runs around the table to put his jacket on her shoulder. And then he just like
0: prances back to his seat. Like, I did that. Oh my gosh. It was so funny. I think, I don't know why, but her, Jordan literally saying, I am. Just, I don't know why it made me laugh so hard. Yeah. But she's like, oh, are you cold? She's like, I am. And he's like, oh, and I was like, did she know he was going to do that? She almost seemed to be like, oh, when a
1: man asked me if I'm cold, they're about to run over here. Imagine like living your life in Jordan's body. I mean, the, the the reality that she experiences, she's so deeply in the bubble, as they say on 30 Rock. Oh, yeah. And like, I like that she's aware of being in the bubble, but you know, she lives it up in that bubble.
0: <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, So what I sort of drew from the dinner party was um, they were all sitting and sort of chatting. And then Jasmine pops in and says, hey, so I want everybody to go around the table and say something um, personal about yourself. And then Jordan immediately responds with, "Um, I would much rather just have like an authentic conversation. Like, is that okay? Like without the icebreaker? And she's like, oh, yeah, okay." Yeah. And I think
1: earlier also, she was like, everybody go around and say who they're attracted to, which is just like another weird structural thing of like, okay, single people, tell me who you're interested in. It's like,
0: so weird. So weird. And I'm glad that Jordan shut that down. Yes. Um, But it's also like, I don't know, there was a moment when Jasmine, I think when she was talking to Bria reflects on oh the you know the value and the amount of time and energy that goes into curating this experience for everybody and it sort of almost like it doesn't leave room for people to just get to know each other organically which is how friendships or relationships actually develop instead of these very like hard line this is the prompt this is how you should be talking to this person that you don't know, so that we can get like the most information possible from you, so that we can figure out if you're a match or something. I don't know. Right. It's,
1: yeah, she's kind of like, I'm curating this experience for all of you. It puts her, she's putting herself on like kind of a different level than everybody else. And maybe mm-hmm. it's a protective thing where she's like not going to get into the mix with them. She just kind of wants them all to get in the mix with each other. But it was interesting, too, when she's like, go around and say your name and what you're working on. Like, she really wanted them all to talk about their work. Mm. Maybe this is, like, kind of her Black excellence vision. But it's like, they already have been, like, hanging out in a house for a day together. Like, I kind of feel like they would already know some I mean, stuff.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering, there's also, like, that really interesting dynamic. I, I don't know if interesting is actually the right word. But the dynamic that happens on reality TV where people are trying to play the producer hat. Mm. So it's the question of, does she believe by creating these like opportunities for them to share details about their careers or their personal lives that she's helping them, quote unquote, on this platform, right? Because you don't know in the editing room, what's going to stay and what's going to go. So it could have just as easily been an opportunity for each of them to say, this is the really exciting thing that I'm looking forward to. Um, I curate this on my Instagram that people will then instinctively go to their Instagram and then they'll have a greater following. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm also probably gonna, for this entire season, be a bit of a Jasmine apologist because I, I, I don't know. I feel like i In some universe, we would be friends. Not close friends, but I think that we might be friends.
1: Yeah, I feel like Jasmine seems like a stand-up girl. Obviously, she has really close relationships with a lot of the women in the house. And I feel like what I'm getting from the women who are close to her is that, like, this isn't really the real her. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I think it's really interesting that she's coming from a place of, like, being so at risk and, like, you know, financially unstable enough to, like, be in her car for a few months that, like, it's almost like she's, like, I'm leaving that all behind. Now I'm married and, like, I'm so stable and I come to the Martha's Vineyard every year. And it's just sort of, like, the marriage seems to be, like, really symbolic to her.
0: Mm, yeah. Which, I don't know. It can be problematic in and of itself, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. So when they're talking, um, Jasmine talks
1: about how they all worked, how she and these girls worked at the Playboy Club together. And Silas was like, oh, yeah, you're really worried when Jasmine and Jordan go out because they'll be out at like 2 a.m. And then Alex says, Alex, our vibey Alex says, I can totally see Jordan being the toxic friend. Right?
0: (laughs) I was like, where is this coming from? And why are you saying that? Jasmine goes, what?
1: Like, all of us said what? Like. And then Alex just says he's kidding. It's like what how is that a joke? Yeah, and why would you make that
0: joke? I, I don't do. <laughs> He's on maybe a slightly different plane, right but we know that he doesn't drink, so we can't even blame the alcohol. No, I think he's just like he's a little out there. Yeah, he's coming from a different place.
1: Yeah. but then yeah, we get more into Silas. you know he he doesn't like that they're out late. He assumes men are buying them drinks. And Jordan is, like, really sticks to her guns. She's, like, men don't have to buy us drinks. Like, we don't even have to interact with men when we're out together. We're, like, safe. We're fine. We're having fun. Mm -hmm. And I liked that a lot of people at the table, like, including the men, were, like, it's okay for Jasmine to go out. And Silas is just, like, oh, no, I just think it's, like, a little bit, you know, makes me uncomfortable. Like, he basically implies that he doesn't want her, like, acting up when she's with Jordan, which is... Very disturbing. Very.
0: Like, I feel like it was peak toxic masculinity from him. And then this just, like, very odd, patriarchal, you're my woman, follow me at all times and be at home waiting for me at night to call. Like, I don't, like, to me, I feel like there was a lot missing from the conversation about how troubling Silas was in the way that he was describing things like, Oh, I'll call her at, like two in the morning and she'll be out. Like, why are you calling her at two o'clock in the morning? Like she should be asleep. Right. Or yeah, what, like what's going on here? Yeah. Um,
1: he seems to have some issues and I think we get more into those, but I really appreciated Jordan just like staying strong in her position and being like, no, it's okay. Like we're, we're going to do this. We're fine. Like don't make assumptions. Like, don't act, like, just because women are out that, like, they're just going to be preyed on by men. Mm-hmm.
0: And then I, there was this, like, interesting, like, we are one discussion.
1: Right. Jasmine says, hey, I mean, I'm going to stand by whatever Silas says because we're basically one person now. As, like, I'm a married woman, I do not feel like my husband and I are one person. <laughs> Right. I love him to death, but like you know, I don't think we either of us would ever really describe it
0: that way and that just doesn't feel healthy to me. Exactly. and I would say the same thing like I, and again, part of like I guess my jo- my Jasmine apologist tour. but I will say that there is value and I do on some level understand standing by your man in the moment right so if I am in a public setting and somebody is trying to embarrass my partner I will never let that happen or if somebody is suggesting that you know my partner is wrong and he might be wrong but I'm he's my partner so I'm on his side but then having a private conversation that like really clarifies hey yeah you were wrong in that situation because I want you to be great and I think that the concern for me is that I see her publicly saying, oh yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from when he's spouting a bunch of bullshit. But also I don't get the sense that she would feel confident to privately have a conversation about what he was saying and how it was wrong. Yeah, I don't think she sees that as like part of a
1: marriage. I think she has a very like one-dimensional idea of what it means mm-hmm. to be married. I kind of feel like she just hasn't thought at all like now they're in it and there's a lot more to it than she thought so anyway we basically cut here that's yeah. the episode we have so much more to get into but those are the dynamics that's like the vibe that we're dealing with right these and are the
0: people for now right yeah and that's <laughs> one of the wild aspects of Martha's Vineyard is that they introduce and in some circumstances remove people throughout the season. So the core group that we met in episode one is not necessarily the core group of people that are in the house by the end of the season. So
1: we're gonna do a little game we're calling Kings, Queens, and Jokers.
0: (laughs) Who was your king this episode? So I think it's going to go – you are You might be surprised by this, but I would say that the king of the episode was probably Preston. I agree. Yeah. Preston is – it's going to be tough to be Preston as king. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, he oof, he is top tier in terms of his insight, the fact that he has a strong perspective on things, and the fact that he is clearly, like, about having fun and being super personable. And that's a hard combination to make, right? Absolutely. Okay, so who's your queen of the episode?
1: I think my queen is Jordan. I feel like she Mm. had a lot of really strong moments. I loved watching her navigate things and just being so steady and true to herself.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I think that I might actually give it to Bria because, Mm. listen, any woman that comes in, number one, with that stunning coat, but more importantly with a whole emotional support animal and creates drama but seeming but seems like she's not about drama at the same time oh yeah oh yeah she's she's a force to be reckoned with absolutely
1: okay now who is your
0: joker of this episode the joker i mean I feel like it's going to be the same Joker every single episode. It's going to be Silas. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Silas is a Joker in this episode, although I feel like we don't really glimpse it till the very end. I kind of felt like Alex had a few Joker moments too. (laughs) (laughs) Clutches my invisible pearl. Saying Jordan was a toxic friend was just really he was joking yeah (laughs) you're right and silas wasn't so we must hold silas as the joker
0: listen the moment that silas used his approach to typing while he was at work i knew that he couldn't be trusted (laughs) all right i'm gonna check that out next time i see him
1: typing oh and it
0: will not be it wasn't the first and it won't be the last time i guarantee it
1: all right thanks for joining us we'll see you next time all right bye
0: Double Vision is created by Jules and Keynes. Starring Jules and Keynes. Produced and edited by Juliana Trungali Golden.